Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 152. In this episode, we look at HubSpot email testing, content audits, HubSpot form enhancements, and why many marketing trends and stats are useless. Plus, why your customers don't care about your logo. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your marketing and sales results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really good and gee, I love your logo. Wow. <laughs> you know when you said uh, why customers don't care about your logo? It's actually when they don't, they don't care about your new logo. I'm going to have a bit of a rant about that exactly. later in the show, Shot 7. Excellent. Well, let's go to our inbound thought of the week, Craig. Well, actually, let me ask you, what is inbound, Ian? <laughs> well, let me go to the source of this information, Craig. Inbound is an event that celebrates the human, helpful side of business. What does that even mean, Ian? I was trying to figure that out, Craig. But this is interesting because Inbound as we know it has changed, hasn't it? Well, it has. I I, I definitely agree with that. It's changed. It probably had to change. I don't like the change. I think lots of diehard original attendees don't like it. But, yeah, it had to. Certainly recognise that. and. I, well, they've done a good job of it, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. And you can see the growth that's happened over time. And I guess this is something that's more of an evolution because if you look at HubSpot, is not a marketing platform any longer. It's sales, service, marketing, automation. It's almost like you're talking about a flywheel there, Ian. Yeah, that's right. It goes around, Craig. <laughs> it's not we a flywheel. Don't forget the flywheel. customers in the middle. Yeah, but look, it's changed. From, and the fact they're calling an event, not a conference or whatever. Yeah, so it's certainly changed. And that's been, you know, there's, that's not like that's a sudden change. It's been happening for years now. But it seems so much like South by Southwest. It's almost like they want to be South by Southwest Boston. or You know how there's TEDx? You can go TEDx, Sydney, TEDx, yes. Boston. So it's South by Southwest Boston. So, South by Southwest should license out that name and inbound can just change something. What's, what's it got to do with inbound? But anyway, good on. Actually, that's just a comment. I'm not, I actually don't mean to be critical of it. I actually think it's fine, but it's, no, and it's changed. It's changed. And you know what? It has to change. You mm. just look at how the landscape has changed. And if, if you don't change, you die. That's true. Now, speaking of changes, we've got an, it's, it's such a good uh, screenshot or picture in the show notes of an ancient ad for a Commodore, a Commodore 64. Now, there's probably about 10% of our audience that actually knows what a Commodore 64 is. You know what a Commodore 64 that's is, right. don't you? It yeah, was that's the it. Time. Look at that ad. <laughs> Look at that ad. Fantastic. So check Instagram, by the way. We just You were just screen sharing this. But it's got an ad of this guy, older looking guy by the pool with is Commodore 64, which is this massive <clears throat> box with a tiny screen and a touchable a, keyboard. A really small a really small box at the time that it was at, actually. Well, that's right. Probably wasn't. Look at <laughs> there is, he's got his cocktail next to it. He's just living the life. He is living the entrepreneurial life. He's, he's, like, he's, he's by keeping, the pool. He's keeping up with Commodore. That, it's such a good ad. Gee, marketing's changed. I know it has. Anyway, we just thought we'd highlight something Plus from, from yesteryear. Yeah. <laughs> All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is to do with email client testing. And I bet this is a hardly used feature within HubSpot. And you will find this in email under the preview actions menu. 
in the email tool. Now, why am I highlighting this? Is that you've probably heard of things like Litmus, where you could test email design, yeah. see how it performs in different yeah, exactly. email clients. And this is pretty much an identical version of that, uh, where you can actually get to see what your email looks like in these clients. And if people aren't aware, email renders differently on different clients when it's open. So this is a really good thing to do before you send a really important email. So, so can I just check when you say email client, but maybe just explain what a client is. You're talking about an app or yes. say Outlook is an, an email, email client, client. Which email is another email That's client. That's right. Apple Office Safari, 365 yeah. is another one. Apple Mail is another one. Mm. We've got, you know, AOL, Microsoft, Hotmail. They're all email clients. Yeah. So I would encourage people to actually run this test and understand what people are going to see. I think it's a really good idea. You know the one that often catches people out? iPad. Well, oh, no, iPad. well, Outlook, of course. But everyone kind of knows Outlook is yes. so hard to code for yep. with your emails, so they kind of have that covered, actually. But iPad, mm. often quite... Uh, often find that the way emails render in, in iPad doesn't work well. Like images will be really big. They don't, it Correct. doesn't seem to. Uh, yeah, or they fall off the screen. Yeah, so they think they've got it covered for the phone and the desktop, but then iPad catches them out. Yeah. So have a look at that. I think that's really important when you're doing email marketing. Now, speaking of HubSpot tips, we've actually got a bunch this week. I'm quickly going to mention one more, which is, you know, HubSpot forms. Yes. You put a form. There's been this issue and they used to have, a, well, they've still got this option where you can have cookies or yes. not. And if it's cookies, it prefills. That's right. And people say, oh, I'll do another version without cookies. Let's say multiple people use Correct. the same computer. They don't yep. want to prefilling with the people's uh, details. So there's now this option. It's called a not you link. So there's a little link just on the form you can enable and it says not you, clink, and it resets the form. Yes. Gold. Yeah. Fantastic. There will be a certain number of listeners who this is such a big problem for that gold. Just go and now, enable I'll, I'll it tell straight you, away. I, I tried this the other day. Yeah. For a customer of ours. And guess what? What? The people filling out the form didn't click the not me link and then just I believe they just deleted it and put in a different name. So this is some an right. email that went to somebody through email marketing. They clicked a link, got to the website, and they registered a couple of people for an event uh, one of my customers are having. Oh, and I okay. noticed all the emails went into the one email field. Oh, so right. it's not readily, like, I don't think people really understand what it is. People in HubSpot world might. Okay. So just be aware of that. It might still be good to have a form that doesn't do the cookie tracking. That's right. There are certain if, scenarios. Especially, if you're going to be doing yeah. that and you're going to have a form that people can register multiple people on. All right, Craig, and what is a smart list-based? Yeah, well, another quick HubSpot tip here. So you can create, yeah, smart lists from contact activity. So I'll give you an example. You're in a contact, you leave a note against their contact record or you might log a task. You can actually create smart lists based on that activity. And this has been here. It's not, this isn't new, but it's something you might not be aware of. So you can create a list, show me all the contacts that I ha- I've left a note on in the last month. Great little <clears throat> tip for smart lists. All right, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And I want to highlight sequences and how to use them. I know there's often mix ups between workflows and sequences, and people find it hard to get their understanding around it. So I'm just going to take a step back. A sequence is a user-mixed, personalized, well-timed emails and follow-up task reminders 
to automate your communication with your prospective leads. And one thing you can do is customize the sequence to the individual before actually kicking it off. And when you decide to run a particular sequence, what you will find is that you get a basically a pop-up which actually has the sequences. So it could be the first email that gets sent out, which gets triggered now. And then you have uh, the next one, which could be you need to have a follow-up task to make a call. The third one might be to actually send another email and you said that's two days. So it'll tell you when those two days are in the particular time. So it'll tell you that exactly. Then might be another another task in there to maybe do a bit more research or follow up and so on and so forth. And you can change the text to suit it to that individual and delete things that are not right, add things that you really want. So I would encourage people to use it. And I, I found this is actually great for salespeople who are doing an initial connection with someone they might've met and they know they're, they might be in a long sales cycle. So they might want to be reconnecting with someone maybe on a monthly basis, provide them extra information about products, maybe even sharing with them some testimonies of people that have actually bought their product. But it's a really good one-on-one space to do that. I do have a challenge. I know a lot, not a lot of people use this and I want to actually say, go and test one out with somebody, even take one of the templates that's there. Now you've got to obviously have sales starter upwards to, to use this. Test it out with somebody you, you don't know. So I, I've just tested it out with a customer of mine with somebody in sales. And I said, look, let's just don't worry about even changing much of this. Let's just install this and you see it trigger off. Look at the reports, look and see what's happening, see the tasks in your queue and get used to it. And then we can modify it for what you want. And so one of our good friends, Justin from Jetstream Marketing. Go the extra. He said, well, why don't you have a 45-day plan? Do something. So there's the challenge. Have a 45-day follow-up plan using sequences. Thank you, Justin. All right, Craig, on to the HubSpot gotcha of the week. Oh, wow. This is a great one you've uh, run into. This cost me a lot of time, Craig. (laughs) A whole episode's worth of time. So this is quite technical. So if you're listening, just know that this happened because I had a customer of mine meaning really well went into the system, changed a property, which is um, has a Hubble variable. So we're talking about a template here, template, right? Template, yeah. So a template. So we collect different, uh, when we build sites, we collect different data or we modularize it so it's easy to get the information and store it. And what they did is they went, oh, I want to change this field from Craig's first name to Craig's last name and thought, oh, I'll just go edit that. And then they said, oh, I want it to display on this page. So I thought, okay, that's not a problem. Cool, I can do that. (laughs) Anyway, it kept displaying Craig's first name, even though it was changed to Craig's last name. And then I was like, hang on, there's something wrong here. And then when we even, then I had to basically figure out what happened to this variable. So essentially what was going on, it still held the data for Craig's first name. Even though we had Craig's last name in there, it wasn't actually showing that data on the page. Understandably, because that that variable is not being output on the site. Even when that was happening, there was still something wrong. And I was like, there's something not right here. I had to go through many versions of this to figure out what was happening and discovered the variable, even though not visible 
on the editing side of the website. The, on the widget. On the yep. widget. We're still holding the data somewhere. And for me to get rid of it or to change it, I had to revert the variable name back to what it was and then apply the changes correctly. And that was like a five-hour process. Okay, so can I try and summarize that? Summarize. Some, some of our listeners might be like, what on earth was that all about? Yes. Hubble. What's Hubble? What's properties? What's all these variables and things like that? So I just want to say, if you're a marketing person and you're not into Hubble and editing templates, great, lucky you. You can just turn off for this shot. But if you are like many people who are now getting into the templates and editing the code and variables, because the design editor is so nice now. HubSpot's done such a good job improving the um, design editor over the last year. So what you're talking about is you've got a custom module and you've got a variable on it. And your customer, your client, actually changed that variable name. Correct. Now, what's the, what's happened, though, is they've changed it just at the widget level, not in the code behind that references yes. that actual object. So you're saying that that was a gotcha. But what it did highlight was the revision history of modules. In fact, down at the custom module level, That's it has right. a revision history, which Correct. you could then walk backwards through and say, ah, oh, here's what changed, which is quite nice. I was quite impressed with that revision history. Now, you and I are both developers in past lives. Correct. So we've used, we're used to using tools like Visual Studio and things like that, where if you changed a variable name somewhere, Correct. it'd pop up and say, ah, oh, do you realize this is used here? Do you want to automatically update references to this? And it would yes. take care of it. HubSpot's design editor is not quite at that level yet. It'll be there one day though. Correct. So those prompts and warnings, it doesn't kind of protect you from yourself yet. It will one day, but That's yeah, right. bit of a gotcha. All right, Craig, marketing tip of the week. And we're going to talk about content audits in a nutshell. This is just a great little flow diagram from AHRFs on whether to do a content audit. And I'll give you the first decision tree. Yep. Is the web page less than six months old? Oh, it is. Yeah, it's less than six months old. Great. Don't do anything. Correct. If it is, it's, it's older than six months, then it just walks you through a few other decision trees. Does it have meaningful traffic? Does it have backlinks? how much traffic from organic search and it's just quickly should I update it should I redirect it or should I delete it should I delete it and there's a good case for deleting a whole lot of content if it gets no traffic no backlinks no engagement nothing yeah and I think this is really important because people think oh I've spent so much time doing that and it's going to be valuable but really in the grand scheme of things it has no bearing on life so cut your losses early all right on to our inside of the week Craig are social media site usage statistics useful? Yeah. Okay. So I was reading this post on the Convince and Convert blog, which I love, by the way, and they were referring to an Infinite Dial 2019 study um, from Edison Research just about social media trends. And I'm always interested in general trends. What I'm going to say, though, is that they're pretty much next to useless. Okay. And I'll explain why. So a lot of this research is done by small sample sizes. This particular one had mm. 1,500 users in the US that responded to a phone survey, which already should be giving you alarm bells, right? If someone actually actually answers their phone, I'm kind of a bit sus about them being representative. But anyway. What was the other thing? They were 12 years and older. 12 or older, right? Anyway, so 1,500 people, you can probably get statistical confidence out of that, but I'm still really wary of any of these kind of extrapolations that they make. And let me read you a few. (laughs) They were kind of saying... As a result of these survey questions and what these respondents talked about their, their social media habits and their ages and things like that, here's an outcome or a, a trend. 
Facebook is becoming steadily less popular among young people as 17 million fewer Americans age 12 to 34 use the platform at all compared to 2017. So we've extrapolated 1,500 people using, you know, statistical models, which I'm sure there's statistical, you know, their levels of confidence are there, to 17 million. Yes. And right. Now, it gets worse. There's a whole bunch of things that um, apparently Snapchat, you know, does have some success and Pinterest is down and LinkedIn is steady and Facebook this. And then they start comparing our WhatsApp usage to Twitter and you're, you're already talking about a messaging platform versus, you know. Okay. Like a, so it just gets totally out of control, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Right? Now, I realise these are two, well, one of them is quite a very very credible blog that I love, talking about the usefulness of it. Yes. I'm actually going to say, listen, I don't think this is useful. And I actually think this is dangerous. Yeah. Because people tend to make decisions based on headlines. Oh, Twitter usage is down. Right, we need to be looking for something else. Or Facebook usage is down. We need to be looking, where are the young people these days? Well, like there's still tens of millions of them on there, right? So unless okay. your market, your addressable market is so huge that you've exhausted them all, there's still uh, opportunities. So here's what I do want to say. And we say this, I think, every episode. What do we say, Ian? Test and measure, Craig. Test and measure. These surveys, the only value I think in these surveys are if you're not doing any marketing or not using any channels. It might give you a guide on where to start because you've got to start somewhere. Correct. So it might point you, well, I'll get started here. But really, if you're doing significant marketing, you should be testing a lot over a lot of platforms, but not only the all platforms and maybe not all at once. Remember how we did that whole episode on doing quarterly testing, yes. one platform per quarter or some messaging? Make sure it's you know scheduled in, not just ad hoc, try and do everything at once. But you should be measuring and testing and measuring across a range of channels, a range of audiences, and a range of messaging and formats. There's so many things here, which of course a stat like this, oh, 17% you know, percent drop or whatever, mm. just seems ridiculous in comparison. Yeah. You've got to be testing. And here's the other thing we've found. You've got to retest because what you tested six months ago and it didn't work might actually be tested now and does Which work. is what you're doing. And I've been, <laughs> I was showing you the results that I've been having with Facebook right. lead ads, which two years ago and we were using and okay. you were using and they were yeah. great and then they died off. They're getting very expensive last year and now they've just come back. Like I, can't, I can't believe the success I'm getting from them lately. Also Twitter. I'm doing a lot of Twitter advertising now. It's working because the prices have gone down. Yeah. I think people read these studies and go, oh, better get off Twitter and they Correct. go off somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. Well, maybe those people, please read these studies, right? Because more opportunity for us. You've got to keep test and remeasure. That's right. Test and measure and retest and measure. Yeah. So I just want to call that out as a, as a, I guess, a Red danger or a pitfall to yes. be wary of. If you're not testing and measuring yourself, it's really hard to justify your decisions. Exactly. All right, Craig, on to our retirement of the week, and we're talking about teamwork has had a rebrand. You know I love teamwork. Yes, because I, we both use it. We both use teamwork, and teamwork is a project management tool with tasks, and we use it to run our agency, and I know you do it in your agency. We love it, uh, which is why I'm actually okay drawing <laughs> attention to the fact that they're promoting their new logo yeah. and their new brand. And at the start of the show, we talked about no one cares about your new logo, and this Again, like this is an indication. So Teamwork have done this breathless blog post about their new brand, their new logo, and I'm just like, who cares? You know who cares? Teamwork, senior management care. You know who doesn't care? Customers. Customers. In fact, Because prospects. we're using the platform. And here's the thing. 
I would so much rather that teamwork, instead of spending all their money on their new brand thing, looks great, guys. Why don't they put my, their time in the product? I'm using the product. There's features I want. I, I'm actually one of those people that sends them feature requests, right? Just like, oh, I wish they'd do more of that. Anyway, it gets, so, it, it gets worse because, as you know, I was mentioning one of our clients. They're doing a whole brand reveal. At, at a big a, trade show. At a big trade show. They've booked out the main stage. And you know what? They're announcing a milestone event. You know what they're announcing? Their new logo. And I was talking to I was saying, so what's the milestone event? Like what's the product? What's the actual, you know, news? What's the customer's? Value to the customer. The customer. Oh, no, it's our new brand. It's our new logo. We've got a whole new logo and a special, you know, we've got an animation. They've got this eight-second video prepared that shows the What do you say to that? Who cares? <laughs> Seriously, who cares? Very little, Greg. Very oh, little. by the way, you know we've got a new Hubshots logo that we're launching. <laughs> That's right. We need to oh, launch a new one. It's a milestone event. We should devote, we should devote a whole show to about new our, new, our new Hubshots logo. Anyway. There you go. Rant over. Sorry. All right. On to our resource of the week, Craig. And this is from Backlinker, a copywriting guide. We love Brian Dean, don't we? Yes, we do. He he certainly does good work. All right. Now, this is a long post talking about copywriting, which is not of huge interest to me. So why would I read it? And in fact, if you're a marketer and you're not really into copywriting, that's someone else doing that, why would you read it? It's because he's got so many good ideas. When he goes through, how do you get ideas for your blog? How do you get ideas for what to write about and what people are concerned about? He gives yes. ideas on how to go to Reddit, how to look at Amazon reviews, looking at various other sites to get thoughts on feedback on what people is people are actually talking about yep. and are emotional about. Yes. And that's how you can use that incorporate in your copywriting yep. to craft your headlines and the topics you talk about. It's fantastic. Just skim the article if nothing else. That's exactly right. There is so much insight that you can get from just expanding your horizons and consuming things like this. So we encourage you to do so. Now, Craig, on to our quote of the week. And this is from Seth Godin from This Is Marketing. What does it say, Craig? Well, his quote of the week, it, I just got this out of his book because I'm still reading it. I, have you finished the book, by the way? No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I have. Sorry. Yeah, This Is, this is Marketing is yes. the book. It's I really good. It. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's a really good book. And he simply says, who would miss it if it were gone? That's Seth's usual pithy That's uh, right. to the point thing. But, yeah, if, if your business wasn't around tomorrow, who would miss it? Because if no one would miss it, well, maybe there's something There's your answer. There. All right. And we have a couple of bonus links of the week. Tons this week. Wow. So Craig. many. Lots of technical ones. But, yeah, there's a few good ones as well, just around um, tools and oh, SEO audits. Look at the last one. I was showing you this before. Getredirects.com. So, yeah, have a look at that. Really useful. Scans your site, picks up anything that's broken, and then suggests you where you should link it to. It suggests the redirects exactly. you should make. Also good if you're moving sites. Yes. And updating to a new exactly. site and then redirects. Yeah, really good. Uh, so get in now. You heard it here first. Get in now because you're signing up for the early beta. Get early Correct. access. All right. We would love if you'd leave us some feedback as this helps us improve our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, on anywhere where you listen to this. If it's on YouTube, please leave us a review on YouTube. That would greatly help us. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.